Likutei Sichais, Chelik Yudalid, that's volume 14, the second Sicha for Parsha Shoftim. This Sicha actually is a Siyum on a Masechta, namely Masechas Zvachim, and this was said on Chaf Av, in honor of the Yorzeit of the Rebbe's father. On a Yorzeit, traditionally, the Rebbe would always make a Siyum. Now it connects to our Parsha by means of a Pasuk that is mentioned in our Parsha, and it brings in other Tukim as well. In this Sicha, amongst many things, we're going to come to recognize and to become more familiar with the Rebbe's special approach on always trying to reconcile the two major Gemaras, the two, the Bavli and the Yerushalmi. There's a rule that whenever you can, even though it may appear to actually be a machlekes, that to be a dispute between the Bavli and the Shalmi, but whenever possible, you try to thread it together, try to bring it together. Also, in the course of the Sicha, we're going to learn some amazing, very, very interesting uh, concepts. Number one, the idea of a bama. What is a bama? Literally, a bama is a stage which, before the building of the base of Mikdash, throughout the years that the Yidin went Eretz Yisrael, which was several hundred years, uh, they had the ability to make a bama. A bama is a stage on which one would offer sacrifices. Of course, once the Beis Hamikdash was built in Yerushalayim, as the Gemara states, as we're going to revisit later, all bamas, meaning any of any kind, was from now on forbidden going forward. That means there's no way that one can build a dhamma, or we'll find out if there is. And how does it connect to our times? Another very interesting thing, a good, an interesting question. Technically, would it be possible, is there ever possible uh, possibility of a scenario of us offering korbonus today? And when I say us, I mean maybe even outside of Yerushalayim, outside of the Harabais of the Temple Mount where the Mizbeach would or should have been. Another very interesting topic which is going to come up is the concept of prophecy, the, pro- the concept of Ruach HaKodesh in our days. Does it exist? Does it not exist? Has it ceased? Is it possible? And another very interesting concept which will come up, could a Goy offer a sacrifice today? If a Goy is so wish to do to offer a sacrifice to the true God, is he allowed to? Could he? And then another very interesting thing is the idea of the importance of doing every mitzvah possible, doing it in a holy place like a shul or a base medrash and so on. Just as a general thing, when we learn Gemara, there are many mesechtas which actively apply to nowadays. You learn mesechah Shabbos, you learn mesechah Megillah, right? It talks about laws which we actually observe. Then there are many Mesechtas, which are, for example, in Kachim, they speak about the Karbonis, various laws pertaining to Karbonis and Maisres and things like that, which practically today do not apply. They, what we call Hilchasel and Meshichah, it's for the times of Mashiach, they will once again apply. This Mesechta, Mesechah Zvachim, is primarily such a Mesechta, where it discusses Korbanis and so on. That's what Zavachim means. Let's go into the Sikha. 
This is chapter one. On the Pasik which appears in our Parsha, which it says, quote, Novi Mikir Bacha Meachecha Kamoini Yokem Lacha Hashem Likecha, Elof Tishmon. That Moish Rabbeinu says to the Eden, a Novi, the likes of me, Hashem will make for you, meaning in future generations, and to him you shall listen. So the Gemara says, this is the Gemara in Zvachim, that what does it mean, Elof Tishmon, you should listen to him? That even if he tells you to be over, which meaning to what seems to be transgressing one of the mitzvahs in the Torah, you should listen to him. For example, Elio Anavi on Har HaKarmel, in Mount Carmel. If you recall the story, well, Yonavi had a showdown with the worshippers of the idols, which sadly were most of the Eden of the time, and he proved to them that Hashem is God. Over there, obviously, this is while the Besamekter stood, and he had to erect a bomber. He made a stage, he made a mizbeach. Something like that, you need to listen to him. Interestingly, in last week's Parsha, it mentions about bringing korbanis, and it says over there, Be careful, you should not, lest you should offer a korban on any place that you see fit. Meaning, the Torah is telling us that you could only bring a korban in the designated place, namely the Mishkan, or later on, of course, in the permanent Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim. However, in the Sifri, the Sifri is a medrash which was written by the Tanoim. In the Sifri, it says, however, you could offer a korban like Eliyahu did in Har Carmel in Mount Carmel. So it would seem to raise a question. When the Torah tells us, quote, listen to the Novi, whatever he says, what does that mean? Regardless of the mitzvah, regardless of what the issue is at hand, if the Novi tells you to do it, and there are certain criteria for that, but if the Novi tells you to do it, listen to it. So that's a blanket cover, so to speak, for any mitzvah. So that includes the Bama too. So why is it necessary, or why, according to the Sifri, is there yet another limud, another source that tells us it's okay to do it in a Bama? A Bama is just one of the many, many, many mitzvahs. So the Rugged Shavar has an interesting insight, and he actually points it out from the Yerushalmi, from the Talmud Yerushalmi. What does the Talmud Yerushalmi say? The Talmud Yerushalmi, the way it presents this Pasuk that we just quoted from last week's Parsha regarding the Bama, the Talmud Yerushalmi actually concludes that it's permissible. And the Rolag Yishavar going says that if you pay attention to the words, it actually is telling us that this is a din. This is a clause in the din of Bama. Meaning, If you were to say that it's just a Navi that's telling you, you can do this, what would that mean? What does that connotate? That you're just overriding the mitzvah, overriding the Aveda, and it's okay, the Torah tells you. But what does that mean? That it's really wrong. It's really forbidden. Inherently, it's not to be done. However, since the Navi is standing by and tells you, do it, you can do it. He's overriding it for the time being. 
versus the way the Rogichover points out as it comes out according to the Yerushalmi, that it's actually a clause in the laws of Bama. And therefore, it's as if Hashem said, one day, if a Navi comes and tells you that you can offer an Abama, even in such time that there is already a Beis HaMikdash, you can do it. This is a clause in the laws of Bama. So it would seem, at this point at least, that there is a Machlekes, there's an argument between the Bavli and the Yerushalmi. The Bavli source for the allowance of ever being allowed to offer an Abama is the one that says, quote, listen to the Navi regardless of what he says. And the Yerushalmi sources comes out that it's a clause in the laws of Bama. If this is the case, it would actually also seem then that the Sifri that brings it from the Pasuk, last week's Pasuk, that talks about Bama, also argues with the Bavli. But there's a problem here. Because the same book, the same Sifri, which, by the way, was written by the Yeshiva of Rabbi Akiva, meaning this is a quote from Rabbi Akiva, at least on Chumash Devarim, the Sifri also brings the teaching on this very Pasuk from our parasha, which speaks about listening to the Navi. So it can't be that the same person who said this said that. In other words, are they contradicting each other? From this Pasuk, it comes out that you would just be merely overriding the Halacha, but it's really forbidden. And from the Pasuk from last week, which the Yerushalmi quotes, which, and the Sifri quotes, which speaks about the laws of offering an Obama, seems to imply that it's not forbidden, it's actually permitted under these circumstances, and it's a clause in the laws of Obama. So therefore, the Rebbe says, this must lead us to conclude that really, there is no machlekes. Because otherwise, you're creating a problem, a contradiction within the Sifri itself. But rather, according to all opinions, it comes out that to offer a carbon on a bomb under the direct guidance of a Navi, or the direct instructions of a Navi, is actually permitted, and it's a clause in the Halachas of Bama. If that's the case, the Rebbe says, we got a problem. What's the problem? At the end of Meseches Zavachim, now true, I mentioned previously, that Zavachim speaks about Korbanis, but it speaks about the Korbanis as they are offered in the Beis HaMikdash, which now we do not have, but soon we will have. But remember, the laws of Bama state that once the Beis HaMikdash was built, you could never ever build a Bama. Not now, not in the future. So the question is, why would the Gemara in Zavachim discuss the laws of Bama in detail, including this law, that if a Navi comes, then you can offer, when it really doesn't apply. It has no application ever. Not now, not in the future. And it will not have any application. Why? Because you can't offer an Obama. The Besamekdash had already been built once in Yerushalayim. And there's an expression that Chachamim sometimes say, what was, was. In other words, we don't discuss halachas from the past. What would have been done in the past? We discuss halachas of things that may not actively apply today, but technically the, halacha, the, the mitzvah exists. It's just that we cannot do the mitzvah. We cannot actively implement it 
but the concept exists. This concept is mute. It's dead. It's gone. Or so it seems. For example, think of it. Would the Gemara discuss at length the halachas of eating the mon? No. It happened, and it will never happen again. So gone. There's no reason to discuss it. Sometimes you can discuss it as a drash, what they did or how they did it. But to go into a lengthy halachic discussion, what's the point? Why did the Gemara do it? Why did the, does the Gemara discuss it? So the Rebbe says, well, we do find, and he tries to suggest that perhaps we do find that if a guy, it's brought down clearly that if a guy in these days wants to bring a carbon, then you're allowed to build a bummer because he doesn't have this restriction of only bringing a carbon to Beis HaMikdash. So you would allow, you would be allowed to take, build a bummer and have the guy give him directions have the guy offer his carbon l'shem shemaim for the sake of heaven for Hashem exclusively for Hashem. In other words, if a guy from the righteous Gentiles wants to bring a carbon, he's allowed to bring a carbon. He just to follow the rules, and you can stand by as a yid and be kind and guide him and advise him what to do. So perhaps maybe that's the reason why the Gemara goes into it, because technically speaking, it does apply. Should there ever be a guy? In these 2,000 years of Golos that wants to offer a carbon, you'll be there to offer him the, uh, the guidance and based on the Gemara. And that's why we discuss the details of it. Says the Rebbe, that's, that's true, but that's not sufficient. Why? Because the Gemara would not discuss something which A, is almost practically non-existent. In other words, it just, it doesn't, and B, there is absolutely no obligation. That means even if a guy should come now and decide to offer a a uh, a carbon, I could direct him what to do if I'm very well versed in the Gemara and in the laws of Bama. But I don't have to direct him what to do. I have no chiyuv, I have no obligation. And therefore, although we find that there are things that are discussed, at times you have things that are discussed in the Gemara, Matters which actively, practically don't apply nowadays, but like I mentioned before, technically they do. In other words, the chiyuv never went away. The chiyuv, the obligation of those particular mitzvahs that are discussed sometimes at length in the Gemara, they still exist in concept. It's just that we cannot implement them. We cannot actively observe them. But the idea exists. And I would suggest even although the Rebbe doesn't say it here, that because they actively exist and I need to observe the mitzvah, so at least until Mashiach comes, the only way I can observe the mitzvah is by learning about the mitzvah. But there is no mitzvah to direct a guy in how to do his carbon. True, I can be kind, I can be nice, and he can hire me as a consultant, or what have you. But I don't have an obligation to direct a guy in how to do it. So we're back to the question. Why would the Gemara discuss the details at length of a Bama, when once the Beis HaMikdash was built, you can no longer have a Bama, or maybe you can. Says the Rebbe, this is what we began the discussion, the beginning of the Sikha. Because it is possible that if a Navi comes and directs us, whatever the circumstances are, whatever the triggers are, but if a Navi should direct us to offer a carbon on a Bama, then, as we said before, we concluded, 
that it's actually a clause in the laws of Bama that we can build a Bama and offer the carbon. The only issue is, hold on a second. Do we ever have a possibility of having a Navi? In other words, is it at least technically, remotely possible that this should ever happen in the course of Golis until Mashiach comes? That we should have a Navi, somebody as Ruach HaKadosh who can come and say, this is what Hashem wants of you now. He wants you to bring a carbon. And somebody who's been established, obviously, is a true Navi, not a hoax. Furthermore, there's a statement in the Gemara. The Gemara says that from when the last Nevi'im passed away, Mishemesu Nevi'im Ha'acharonim, which is Chag Yitzchari Malachi, Nistalk Ruach HaKadosh Mi'Yisrael. Ruach HaKadosh was nostalgic. It went away from the Jews. Like Nistalkus. It went away. So if so, it would seem that there's no possibility for Nevi'us. Correct? Says the Rebbe, no. We do find, and this is established fact, in the course of the last thousand years or so even, that they were actively, or I should say they were factually and actively some form of Nevi'us that existed amongst the Yidin. Number one, there is a Sefer that's called Shailos Hachubas Min Hashemayim. And in the introduction to the Sefer, Shailos Hachubas Min Hashemayim means responsive from heaven. Yes, he would ask questions and they would respond to him in a dream. And he has a whole list of all kinds of questions, all kinds of halachas that he asked. Some they would answer, some they would tell him, so to speak, paskin it down here. But the fact is that he communicated and it's a, it's a, it's a, it is an accepted safer. This is, this is not a, this is not a hoax. And also the Rebbe actually references to a toysvis where one of the Bali hatoysvis was actually called Reb Ezra Hanavi. Taisus quotes him as Ezra Hanavi. Why would they call him the Navi if he didn't have Ruach HaKodesh? So it's clear they didn't just give him some funny nickname to, to, to play games with him, to jest him. So obviously if Taisus, which Taisus is obviously an established authority in our, in our Torah, in our uh, uh, opinion of Allah and so on, they refer to him as a Navi. So you see that it did exist. Furthermore, the Rambam, in discussing the criteria and the laws of a Navi, the Rambam actually gives a whole list of things that one would do in order to merit Nevius, in order to merit that Hashem speak to him, actually communicate with him or through him. And when he concludes, he says that it's not absolute that it will happen. This is makes it possible for it to happen. Whether it would happen or not is obviously up to Hashem. I'm just using my own words. That means it's not absolutely necessarily that it will happen. But if he merits, the Ramam says, Miyad, immediately Shechina would rest on him. The Nevoah would rest on him. And he would hear what Hashem wants to communicate through him. In other words, the Ramam doesn't make any mention of the fact, oh, by the way, nowadays this can happen. The only thing he says that the only way it can happen is because Hashem doesn't choose for it to happen. But from the person's side, it could happen. Meaning from our perspective, if one really is truly on that level, it could technically happen. Otherwise, the Rambam wouldn't uh, imply that. Furthermore, the Rambam actually, actually brings in a letter, in Igeres Taimon, there's a letter that he wrote to the Jews of Taimon, 
a very lengthy letter, and there are some very fundamental things in Yiddishkeit here. And he brings on the Pasik that Bilam said. He said, Ko'es yoimar liyakov Yisrael ma po'al keo. Ko'es means like this time. It will be said to the Jews, what did Hashem do? What is Hashem doing? Says the Rambam, the word Ko'es, like this time, means that just like this time, from the beginning of creation to the world of the world, and the Rebbe says there's actually a little debate in exactly when Bilom appeared to curse and to bless the Jews, but the Rebbe concludes that it's two thousand four hundred and eighty-eight years from correct from creation. Thus, if Bilom appeared two thousand four hundred and eighty-eight years from creation, and that's when he said, like this time. It shall be said to the Jewish people, what is Hashem doing? Says the Rambam, that means that exactly this amount of time, which basically would come out to be 4,976 years from creation, uh, a little short period of time before the Rambam lived, there could be Nevoah. There would be Nevoah. It's possible. In fact, the Rambam continues over there in that letter, he also brings an example to make this real. And he says that around my time, meaning not too long before he lived, I think maybe in his father's times or right before that, there was actually an individual and he names him. And he says, this person said certain prophecies, he said certain reveals or predictions of things that are going to happen, and they actually materialized. And he says, this proves that he has the status of a Navi, that he is like a Navi. So in other words, according to the Rambam, yes, it is possible. Not only it's possible, but it's a fact that there could be divorce, there could be prophecy in our days, even way after the time that prophecy has stopped, has nostalgic, went away from the Jews. And the Rebbe, in fact, points out that that's perhaps the reason why the Gemara doesn't say Batla or Nifsika, it stopped or it was nullified, this concept of prophecy. It just says nostalgia, it went away. Like a nostalgia, it just went away, but it could always come back. It didn't stop. It didn't cease. It didn't just, you know, stop to exist, cease to exist. According to this, what would come out? That the idea of Bama exists. The idea of Bama is real. It's an active din. It's an active concept. It's just the fact that we have not yet performed it or done so in the past 1900 or so years is not because the concept doesn't exist is because a Navi had not yet appeared on the scene and told us to do so. So if anything, this is an active mitzvah, which we need to know about, which we need to learn about, which applies to us. It's just technically that we have not yet observed it, because a Navi didn't apply. And then the Rebbe goes into a discussion as to the status of a carbon that is offered on a Bama in such a scenario where the Navi says to offer it. And in conclusion, without going into the lengthy details and the discussion, the back and forth, but it comes out that it has almost the same effect. And I say almost means in some ways even literally the same effect as a carbon that would have been offered on the Mizbeach in the Beis Amikdash in Yerushalayim. Namely, that it leaves an effect on the Mizbeach meaning it permeates with holiness, that carbon adds to the holiness of that Mizbeach, 
and it affects the person who offered the carbon. In contrast to those carbonists in the time when Bamois were allowed, that it was just merely of an offering that a person would bring, but it didn't have a true effect. Case in point, if the person was obligated to bring a carbon, let's say he committed a sin, he had to bring a carbon chatos, or let's say he promised to bring an offering. Offering it on the Bama was a kosher carbon, but it did not take the place of wiping away his debt to Hashem. In other words, it didn't affect him. It was just a nice gesture, so to speak, but it didn't take care of his uh, dues, his obligation to Hashem. So you see that bringing it in a place that has the status, that has somewhat of an aura of the Beis Amikdosh, has an effect not only on the place, but it has an effect on the person that does, that offers the carbon in that place, that does the said mitzvah in that place. Thus, the Rebbe concludes from this, a practical hayroh, a practical directive for nowadays. There are many mitzvahs that one can choose to do at home, and perhaps at home he can do it with all the hidurim, he can, he can do it with all, without distractions and without any disruptions, in the privacy of his own home, of his own surroundings. Versus, maybe take it and do it in shul, maybe do it in a public place, a place that has a kedusha of a Beis HaKnesis or a Beis HaMedrash, says the Rebbe that this teaches us a lesson, that whenever one could, one should opt to take and do the mitzvah, whether it's learning, whether it's a, 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 a specific mitzvah, and do it in the shul, in a place that already is permeated with holiness, a place that has the koyach, it has the potential, it has the power to affect not only the place further, meaning to add to its kedusha, but also have an everlasting effect on the person himself.